When I was in high school, I did not have a car of my own. That didn't come until junior year of college. So I had to get a ride from my friend Alex, who lived in the neighborhood. And since it was his car, Alex controlled the radio, and Alex liked rock and roll. Seeing that I went to high school in the early 90s, the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire, was frequently blasting through the blown-out speakers of Alex's red Mazda. In that song, you may know it, the Piano Man offers very brief, rapid-fire lyrics that point to over 100 events ranging from 1949 to 1989, the year the song came out. Billy Joel was 40 at the time the song was written, and he got the idea for the song when he was talking to an, a young man, and they were, they were commiserating about just how terrible and how many awful things that they had seen and experienced in the world that they had both seen in their young lives. And so he put pen to paper, and he begins with the lyrics, calling out names and events and phrases. And with each name and event and phrase, there is a whole lot of meaning and memory for the listener. He begins, Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio. He moves on to more personalities and events like Joseph Stalin, the communist bloc, Einstein, James Dean. He reminds us that Brooklyn's got a winning team. And then to Little Rock, Kerouac, and Sputnik. And then on to Pope Paul, Malcolm X, British politician sex, JFK blown away, what else do I have to say? And then the refrain kicks in one more time. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it, but we tried to fight it. Meaning the world's always kind of been a mess. And all throughout the song, the listener is moved through 40 years of mostly turbulent history while the world is seemingly on fire. It feels like we've lived that entire song this past week. So much happening all around us. Of course, we could make up our own verses and we could add on to Joel's song. IU and Ivy Tech closed. Schools are shut down. Doctors being screened before entering hospital and no visitors to hospitals or nursing homes unless it's an emergency or special situation. It's March, but there is no NCAA tournament or anything else. The NBA and the NHL seasons, those are postponed. So is baseball's spring training. People are hoarding toilet paper. There's a ban on European travelers to the United States, and we know why. All because of the coronavirus. I've, I've never seen anything like this. 
some of my friends and I were trying to put our heads together in, in our collective memories. Well, what's a time that we've at least maybe experienced something like this? And, and the closest that we could come up with was the time after 9-11. A lot of similarities, but yet it's still not the same, is it? Like you, I spent a good chunk of my time this past week trying to figure out what to do with all of this. Spent a lot of time trying to to lead, as best we could, the church through this unusual time when it seems like the world is on fire. And so we've made some changes and we've made some alterations to our life together, some of them small, like how we pass the peace. Perhaps there will be bigger decisions to be made in the near future. We'll have to see. And to that end, I hope you know and saw from my emails that the session has authorized a response team made up of healthcare professionals, folks connected with the university and this congregation, and who have helped guide and lead our faith community. If you see folks on that response team, thank them, will you? If you see an elder serving on session, thank them, will you? To be sure, Billy Joel was right. We didn't start the fire, but it sure does seem like we're feeling the heat of it all. This virus, it's striking fear and worry and anxiety into the hearts of many. It's impacting how we live, how we work, how we function and interact, or not, with one another. I don't know about you, but my goodness, community has almost a whole new meaning in thanksgiving for the connections and the relationships that we have, have a whole new meaning now that we're encouraged to stay apart from one another. This epidemic has moved beyond the problem that's grown out of control to a pandemic, something that has, affects the whole world. So my advice to all of you, wash your hands. Of course, to wash your hands, you need access to clean water. And I was encouraged this week, did you see this? I was encouraged this week that the mayor of St. Louis noted that clean water is so essential to cleaning your hands and to personal hygiene and and those kinds of things that the mayor ordered the water department to stop all water shutoffs immediately so that everyone would have clean water to use during this time. I don't know if they will or if they are planning to or not, but wouldn't it be wonderful if Bloomington, our fair city, followed suit, the need for clean water so that each one could wash their hands. If you knew that the water that you and your loved ones had to use was contaminated and would make you sick, what would you do? Well, over 700 million people in our world have to face that dilemma every day. And that's today, in the year 2020. In fact, water-related illness is the leading cause of death among children throughout the world. We know that clean water is not just critical for important things like washing your hands, it's for drinking, too. Just ask someone from Flint. 
and they can tell you all about it. In times like these, we could look back to Billy Joel's song and be reminded that humanity's been through the ringer before. Or perhaps for people like us who come to places like this, we just need to look back at the pages of Scripture to see the problems and challenges and stresses and hardship for the people of God. That is nothing new. So the lectionary gives us this morning's passage of the Israelites complaining of thirst in the wilderness. And this is literally right on the heels of their complaining of hunger in the wilderness. Hunger and thirst. Two very real, two very human needs. You remember the story of of them being hungry in the wilderness. It's the story of manna from heaven. The Israelites were complaining against Moses, saying that they were so hungry. Remember, Moses, why did you bring us all the way out here into the middle of nowhere to kill us with hunger? We were better off back in Egypt, they said. They got mad at Moses about the whole thing. And I couldn't help but but realized this week the idea to lead them to freedom, that didn't originate with Moses. That was God's plan. Nevertheless, Moses took all the heat. Moses took all the complaints from these recently freed people who longed now for the days of captivity. But you know what? No matter our mood, God is still good. And God is still gracious. And so along comes the manna. Morning by morning, along comes the manna. Maybe it was a little bit dry because then the people started clamoring for something to drink. So they began to argue with Moses, give us something to drink. And he asked them an important question. Why do you test the Lord? Do you remember later in the wilderness during his temptation, Jesus warns against that very thing, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, the text gives us locations, signposts and markers to help us mark their exodus journeying like we would do if we were to place a red X on a map, as if to say, well, here's where they were when this was happening. And so there they were at Rephidim. It's the last stop before Sinai, and we do not know for certain where it was historically located, but we know it was a place without water, which no doubt meant that no oasis was within traveling distance. So the problem was deeper than just the people being thirsty. There was also no hope for there even being any water. So the people get mad. And I imagine that Moses did too. After all, I'm sure that he was also thirsty. The Israelites, they they repeat their protest from one chapter earlier when they asked, Moses, why did you bring us all the way out here to kill us with hunger? Now, just one chapter later, after they've had something to eat, they ask, Moses, why did you bring us out here to kill us with thirst? They were testing the Lord. And that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Testing the Lord. What does that even mean? Testing the Lord. 
Maybe it meant that they wanted the Lord to prove that something, maybe even something miraculous could be done. I wonder if it's as if they were, were saying, we know that we are in the middle of the desert wilderness and there's no oasis in sight, but give us something to drink. Come on, God, let's see it. You ever demanded proof from God? And so God decides to do something remarkable. He has Moses take some of the elders, and and they they go ahead. Moses says, take some of the elders, go ahead to the rock at Horeb. And I love that Moses is not in this tough spot alone. The elders and the leadership is right there with him. It reminds me how thankful I am for our elders and for our leadership who help make some hard decisions from time to time. Well, once they got to the rock, Moses is told to strike the rock with his staff and then water would flow out of it so that the people could drink. Isn't that remarkable? The people of God, on their wilderness journey through some unknown landscape and brand new territory, test the Lord And this is what God gets ready to do, to have water come from a rock in order to quench that very human problem that they were now dealing with. This seems impossible, water springing from a rock. We know that water can flow through a rock. The rock is porous enough. But water doesn't just spring forth from within a rock. I don't know what's more amazing. The water came from a rock, or that the people of God got mad and tested the Lord, and the Lord remained gracious and good and responded in this way. I don't know which one's more amazing, but I've got an idea. Of course, this is good news. The people were hungry. God gave them manna. The people are thirsty. God gives them something to drink. Do you remember later how Jesus said, whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst? This is good news. But if you ask me, the good news gets even better. Because I believe that this story is less about the miraculous strangeness of water flowing from a rock than it is about the assurance of God's presence in the life of a community who is walking through a scary wilderness. When the people were putting the Lord to the test, it meant that they were demanding proof that God was in their midst. The Hebrew word for test, used in verse 2 there, means to prove. In some translation of this passage, of this verse, say, why do you put the Lord to the proof? Maybe Moses was really asking them, why are you demanding proof that God is in your midst? Well, these people were tired and scared. They were facing an unknown terrain with very real and pressing needs all around them. 
while they did want something to drink, I think what they really wanted was an assurance that God was with them too. And that is what God gives them. God gives them the assurance of God's presence in the strange form of water coming from a rock. God even told Moses, I will be standing there in front of you on the rock. You know, the naming of a place always holds such deep and special significance. Like when those who named our beautiful city were so impressed with this haven of blooms, they must have been here in the spring, that they called it Bloomington. So Moses called the place where they were Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? I wonder if that's a question that we've been asking too, now that we are living in this national emergency. Is the Lord among us? Or not. Well, like our ancestors in the faith, we have the blessed assurance, beloved, that the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. Without question. The Lord is among us. And so then, may we live like the hymn proclaims. You remember how it goes. In the Lord I'll be ever thankful. In the Lord I will rejoice. Look to God. Do not be afraid. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. Yes, beloved, the Lord is near. The Lord is among us. Thanks be to God. Amen.